It's the Paddlewoo Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddlewoo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Today's guest is Chase Kostelitz. This is a unique podcast in that it's also a press release, big announcement here. Chase, who is an international sup, professional sup racer and also incredible waterman surfer, uh, has just come on board, partnered with Blue Zone SUP to be on site in Costa Rica, work with us this year, uh, all working together, uh, and, and coach with Blue Zone. So he is now uh, partner in Blue Zone, and we are, Oscar and I, are incredibly excited to have Chase on the team. Um, to give you guys a little background on Chase's accomplishments, he is a three-time Florida State champ, he's a Gulf Coast champ, Carolina Cup second, lost Mills uh, first in Germany, first in New York City Sea Paddle just a couple weeks ago where he beat Kyle Lenny, two-time Battle of the Bay champ in San Francisco, two-time Round the Rock champ in Seattle, fourth in Battle of the Paddle, in the distance race, and he won the Tahunalu race. So uh, Oscar and I are incredibly excited to have Chase on board. And this podcast is a way to get to know Chase. Um, He has a coaching background, uh, both in the kiting world and now in the sup racing and surfing worlds. So some of you who are listening have probably worked with Chase. He's a master at stroke uh, breakdown given what he's been able to accomplish in in the racing world. And I believe that that's going to be a great skill set to have because where we have been focused on, Oscar and I, and the breakdowns that uh, you know I've been doing here with, with PaddleWoo and the Progression Project for the last few years has all been from the surf side. I am a surfer. My understanding of this sport comes from surfing through surfing. But Chase came to it a little bit differently and – uh, he's an incredible surfer, but he's an incredible racer and has all of that background and that coaching. So he's going to be able to explain, um, understand the coaching of racers who is, it's a large component, uh, group of folks who come down to work with us, have a racing background and his skill set is going to translate into better coaching for all of you. So we are beyond stoked to have Chase coming on on board and uh, hope that you guys can make it down to work with us this year. I'm going to be in and out of Nosara a few times. Um, some family stuff has, has forced us to move back to the States, but I will be there for certain weeks throughout the year. Uh, if you'd like to reserve a week with us, we are now booking uh, middle of November through April. So if you would like to, to come down and, and work with us this year, reach out at uh, Eric, E-R-I-K, at progressionproject.com. That is the easiest way to get us. Or just go to Blue Zone SUP, fill out the form right there, and you can uh, get in touch and work with uh, Chase and Oscar and I uh, this season in some incredible ways. If you guys have seen the Progression Project movie, you know what kind of surf we have, uh, so check that out. Also, the movie that I did with Dave Bainey, Dave Kalama, and Colin McPhillips, uh, the director on that project is Brent Deal, and that project, uh, executive producer Eric Logan as well, and that project is premiering in California next week, August 25th, 
at the Infinity Surf Shop. So look up online. The movie's called Conversations, and it is a pretty cool look at the lives, the lives of Colin Bainey and Kalama, three incredible athletes who have paved the way in our sport. So uh, yeah, check that out. And also, if you guys are voting for the SUP Awards, um, the Progression Project and Conversations, they are both up for Movie of the Year. So please, if you like those, you want to support, please go over there and SUP Awards 2017. You can Google it and uh, vote for Movie of the Year, some of the projects that we've done. So that would be incredibly awesome if, if we were able to take home uh, some hardware from that. That'd be, that'd be dope. So all right, guys, without further ado, let's dive in with Chase. All right. Chase, thank you for being on the Padaboo podcast. How are you today, brother? Excellent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. Um, Chase and I met in the Bahamas. When was that? May? Beginning of May? Beginning of June. At beginning of June at the JP dealer meeting. Um, Chase is a pro who rides for JP Australia. Um uh, and races for for JP Australia, and uh, we met in the Bahamas. And uh, Chase is going to be joining the team uh, with Blue Zone SUP, and so that's the exciting news. So uh, super stoked to tell everyone about this Chase and to uh, to get you on the record on the Padawu podcast. Yeah, I'm very excited. My family's excited, and it was uh, pretty serendipitous. Our our meeting in, in the Bahamas and everything's has kind of been falling together. So, so, uh, definitely, uh, looking forward to, to everything coming up. Yeah, me too, man. I'm super excited about it. We were sitting there hanging out, um, over dinner one night and Chase was saying he's thinking about moving abroad. And this was in the same time frame that Sarah and I had just realized that we were going to have to move back. And, uh, with your coaching background that we'll get into and, uh, just the way that, you are uh, you interact with people and groups. It seemed like it was going to be a natural fit. So I'm super stoked that it's all come together. I think it's going to be a great thing for the retreats this year. We'll talk about some of the things that we'll have going on. Um, but let's start by getting to know you a bit more. Why don't you give us some background on who you are, um, your history in the water? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my um, history in the water has not been... I guess a, a traditional path when you when you talk to a lot of water sports athletes, they more or less grew up in the water uh, a lot of times. And I grew up around the water. I grew up in Atlanta, and uh, but I was a gym rat. I was uh, and still am um, very much into basketball. And and being in Atlanta, you're not really thinking about the ocean too much. So. I, uh, my competitive sports background and even early coaching background comes from basketball. I, I played all the way up until my second year of college, um, and, uh, as a scholarship athlete. What school did you go to? I, so, uh, without going too much into detail, I actually had a full scholarship to Loyola, New Orleans, and then a little hurricane named Katrina came along. That was my freshman year. I was there for four days for freshman orientation and be evacuated. The hurricane hit. They canceled that fall semester, which was my first semester. So I went back to Florida where my dad uh, had since moved 
And uh, I enrolled at Ecker College because it was close to where my dad lived with the intention of practicing with the team there until I went back for a spring semester in Loyola. Long story short, fell in love with Eckerd. It's right on the water and didn't go back to, to New Orleans. It was a tough decision, but definitely one of those turning points, um, you know, where my life kind of took a, a different path. Uh, and uh, I played basketball at Eckerd, but that's also where I was introduced to uh, kiteboarding. So um, to, to bring it back to the water sports, my, my neighbors um, – at school were getting into kiteboarding and for whatever reason I was just like man I want to try that and I, w I was getting a, a bit burned out by basketball I, I played you know all the way growing up I was in in school and, and it's very much like a job I mean I, I definitely loved it but it kind of turns into a job um, sometimes and, and that can make you dislike uh, your passion when when it when it gets that way so I, I took up kiteboarding and I knew it was time to sort of reassess my basketball career when I was going from Dawn Patrol kite sessions, uh, which was 20 minute drive away straight to like, I think it was like 8 a.m. practice. So I would get up, get out on the water for like 45 minutes, super early, almost before sunrise sometimes. And uh, I remember one day we had a weight room session and I bent over to do uh, one arm rows and I just had a call it the leak, you know, when, when you get the, <laughs> the water in your sinuses and like a full bowl of water just come dripping in. And my buddy looks at me. He's like, what the heck? And uh, I think uh, I, I was, we, we had a laugh. But, you know, I was like, all right, maybe I need to uh, to reassess. And, and, and at that point, I was I was very much hooked on kiting. And uh, so, yeah, that was that kind of took me on a path towards towards kiteboarding and, and then let's dive in stand up. yeah let's dive into that a little bit because my yeah. story is similar and i know a lot of folks who have entered water sports which i believe i'm looking at everything now through the construct of like this deep flow state and i believe that like when we are in true flow in the zone i, I like the definition the uh like the flow definition the most uh, it, it is pretty much the optimal state that I feel people can be in. And so my story, uh, and I think that there are sports that you can get much deeper in flow than others and surfing, kiting, um, paddling, those are all sports, uh, paddling in waves, I should say, I don't think as much on the race side, but those are very, very deep flow sports. And so I was, I was a baseball player and when I found surfing, it was just like the switch flipped and, and it's all that I wanted to do. And I know a lot of other athletes that have had that same experience. What was the, uh, kind of talk us through what kiting turned on in you and then the, the path that that set you on, like talk through what, what that felt like. Yeah. I mean, uh, amazing. <laughs> and, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that flow. And I think that's what not everyone, but certainly a, a, a good majority of the people definitely involved in water sports. That's what we're searching for. That's why we're so hungry for that, that next surf session, that next downwind paddle you mentioned in the racing side. Yeah, I agree. That flow is not really there in the racing, but not all the time. Uh, in the heat of competition, I, I, I go into it a bit and definitely downwind paddling, which is what I'm doing a lot of uh, here in Hood River. But yeah, it, it's searching for that flow. And I got that 
in basketball where when when you're playing not so much in practice as much as in, in a game or a scrimmage or a pickup is you just get lost in 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 time changes and and it's very meditative and and I know you talk about flow in in more depth but I I found that in basketball and then I think as it it was kind of wearing off and I've been doing it for you know 18 plus years and and kiting came along and it was that new beginners that beginner's mind and learning something new just being so focused on learning to kiteboard with with the, these new elements in play and I've it, it came at a perfect time where I was getting sort of uh, saturated in my my ability to find flow or to enjoy it in basketball was was up uh, or was used up quite a bit and so kiting came along and yeah I just dove right in i was so addicted to kiteboarding <laughs> and, and the wind and you know it's a this trip, dude. That you're going through it yeah it's wonderful so yeah. all right i have been i've spent the last few months and this is something that i'm actually diving into i, I think i've committed to it I, I can't say on record yet that i fully committed to it but i've definitely spent the last few months exploring committing to a long process of examining the relationships between uh, practice and flow, because I don't think that there's much work out there that has done that yet. And so I've done this fairly deep dive and, and a lot of spent a lot of time thinking about it. And so, um, the, what I have found and the reason that this started, my path has started is because we got ripped out of our life in Costa Rica, you know, like you're surfing one morning and then the next day you're living in the States. And that's exactly what happened with the clothes on your back. And I, as a, I'm a surf junkie. I always thought I was a surf junkie. I am a surf junkie. But um, getting ripped out of that and, you know, going from five hours in pretty deep flow states a day, um, which is pretty cool, to, you know, zero, zero access to that whatsoever. I have I found myself starting to, like, go to racetracks and sit in saunas for an exorbitant amount of time. Uh, and, and so I was like, God, I started thinking, like, what's going on here? But I was getting this fix through these other things. And so... I realized that I'm not as much of a surf junkie as I am a flow junkie. And then yes. I read Kotler's work and Mihai Chicks and Mihai's work and, and I started really diving into this. And so what I think, and, and this is all my half baked, I'm in no way, shape, or form credited to say any of this stuff, but I've just been thinking about it a lot. I feel like there are these like multipliers of flow. And so things like kiting and surfing when you're in a dynamic environment and you have this raw energy of, of the ocean or the wind, um, there's, there's the, 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 the scenario for flow multiplier is massive. You've got consequence, you've got dynamic environment, a changing uh, landscape that you need to exist within and, and utilize. Um, and things like basketball or even skateboarding for that, they're, they're, less, they're less dynamic. They're more static. And so you can hit points uh, in basketball and, in, and, and like maybe even skating earlier to where you don't get that next flow multiplier, uh, which limits your access to what we love. And if you're not pushing the limit, like once, you, once it becomes easy, natural – then you you no longer have to drop into that deep state of flow to do it. 
And so it, it's not as fun. So you do this, you can't do the same thing every day and stay in that deep state of flow. You have to push it, you know, day in and day out. And I think that's why when people dive into like kiting or surfing, they can spend so much time doing it because you're, you're tapping into something that, um, is elusive, but then so rewarding at the same time. Does that resonate with you? These, these are all things that I haven't really talked about yet, but I'm thinking about yeah. exploring more. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I'm addicted to flow too, <laughs> like addicted <laughs> to that search. And it is interesting that you point that out is, is that, um, you know, you think you're addicted to surfing and, and you very much I am. are, but it's also, you're addicted to it. That, that form can, that, flow state can come from other means and yep. surfing is definitely a fun expression of that but i think it's I've, the highest form of yeah it, that i've yeah. found the other yeah, ones yeah. are like stop gaps to get me they get me there but not yep. the same way of like big right point break barrel <laughs> like that's that's it yeah <laughs> well give kiting some time because you know that's that's from experience i it'll get you It'll get you there, you know. It's it's. It, I mean, it's another. It can be another form of surfing too. So it, it can right. almost be one and the same. But but yeah. yeah, and then but even in basketball, it uh, and that is kind of one thing I I miss um, is that kind of uh, social. I don't know, like, this is pseudoscience here, but like, <laughs> social flow, like, oh, like that's so definitely a flow multiplier, surfing, for sure. Yeah, you know, surfing is a solitary thing. Sometimes yep. you have some friends and, and it's very fleeting, right? I think that's also why it's so addicting is like, okay, like, if you're surf, like a good wave, the average surfer, if they're getting a 30 second ride, that's like super long, that's right? Really that's really long. Very yeah. long. And that's 30 seconds, like you're super in the in that flow, in the zone. Everything is, is uh, slowing down or, or however you want to describe the flow, but then it's over. And now we're searching for it again. And I think that's that feeling of being, you know, stoked, right? Like you're just yeah. searching for that. And in basketball, for instance, and, and other things too, like maybe if you're driving a race car, like 200 miles around a track, like it's kind of a sustained uh, flow. Like I know when I was playing, like, you're you're in the game and then maybe if there's a break with a timeout or a foul you kind of come out of it slightly but then it's just hyper focus um so yeah and 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 then the the dynamic element of of being with others the physicality of it coming from a competition standpoint um that was very uh interesting to me i always find uh with stand-up racing i'm the the guy that's talking the most during a race, like in a trap train or something, uh, you know, like this past weekend, I was, I was talking, joking, <laughs> maybe talking a little trash, but, but in a, in a friendly way. And, in but because I, I, that's part of like, I, I think maybe me trying to find that, that, uh, getting lost in the, in the moment a little bit more. Um, you're probably yeah. also one of the, the only guys who's in good enough shape to talk when, <laughs> when you're in that moment too. So for those of you guys who don't know the, what is it? The New York City Sea Race, Sea Challenge. What's it called? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the the Sea Paddle, um, sea NYC. Paddle. Yeah. Uh, Chase won it this last weekend. So huge congrats on that, Chase. Like that's a huge feat right there, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it was an amazing race. I mean, just being in New York City, in, in the city for the first time, starting under the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge, and then you're paddling around like 
such an iconic city. It was uh, 25 miles. miles. Yeah, 25 miles. And yeah, it's uh, it was really cool. I definitely recommend. And it's all for uh, charity. So you raise money for a few different uh, charities. So it's definitely uh, something to to put on your bucket list. Well, that's awesome, man. Congrats again on that. That's that's incredible. Um, let's, uh, let's dive into a little bit of, let's pick it up there from you've gotten into kiting now. How do you find your way to surfing? And then, yeah, so I went paddling. full, full on into kiting. Uh, that was my freshman year of, uh, college, I think 2006 and, uh, just fully hooked and, and chasing the wind, um, and then uh, my sophomore year, I, I still was playing basketball and balancing those two, but my mind was was definitely on uh, water sports and kiting. And then uh, soon after after my sophomore year, I, I stopped playing basketball, transferred schools uh, locally, but to a public school rather than private since I wasn't playing anymore. And uh, I actually I started I got my instructor certification. So I had coached uh, summer camps uh, pretty much since I was about, I think, 16. Um, I started coaching like youth uh, summer camps for basketball. I really enjoyed a lot of aspects of coaching. I enjoyed uh, particularly like the motivational uh, aspect of getting kids excited about uh, about the sport, getting people um, excited and then breaking it down in ways um, to help them improve. So I had a coaching background from, from basketball, probably six summers. I had, I had done it uh, all summer. And then, so bringing it to kiting, I, it was just kind of natural one, uh, uh, that primarily it was to make money, you know, in the beginning it was, Hey, I want to be an instructor and, and, uh, this will rather than get a job, this will help, uh, pay my bills while I'm in school. And then secondly, um, being that it was an exciting thing to share. And uh, so I got my certification and started teaching kiting. Um, and I did that for about four years. I taught uh, well over 100 uh, people from complete beginners to get them to get them riding. And kiting is a, a bit more intensive than, you know, say teaching someone to paddleboard, which I've done plenty of, but uh, a lot more safety oh, yeah. and, and a lot more, you know, it's kind of like compare teaching someone to fly I mean, it's not obviously the stakes aren't quite the same but you know it can be very dangerous and there's a lot of protocol and, and it can be pretty in-depth and then the learning curve uh takes a bit of time so so that yeah. was there, there's something about strapping yourself into basically an airplane wing and then you yeah. know oh yeah I, I i find that that's that's kind of my favorite part is the fact that like you're saying all right let's do this and you strap in and then you you, you know you kind of try to manage the situation until you unstrap <laughs> it's basically probably the the closest thing to getting your pilot's license without getting your pilot's license right like the last yeah. thing you got maybe kiting paragliding and then flying a plane so mm-hmm. so yeah the the teaching uh kiting was was very um rewarding in that it's such a uh you know teaching someone to paddleboard which i've done like complete beginners I, with my business which i'm sure we'll get into but yep um but it, it that's a little bit it's it's uh, like easier as an instructor it's like all right i always tell people if you can stand up in your living room like from the floor you can learn to paddleboard and i and i've taught 
a huge variety of people, but kiting, it, it's, it's just much more in depth. So I think the reward as a, as a coach and instructor was, uh, that much greater because it, there's a lot of hurdles and, and trials and tribulations to get that person riding. But, but when they do and, and, and they're so happy and, and, and it's so rewarding, you know, as an instructor, uh, to see all that click. So, yeah. um, yeah, so so that was kind of diving in into kiting and and as an instructor and and like I said I did that for about four or five years and and then that led me eventually to paddleboarding and uh, you know I can dive in I can talk about that uh, that transition yeah well, let's talk so, about it yeah so so uh, um, after um, you know a few years of uh, an instructor for kiting we got some of the first uh, stand up paddle boards in the Tampa area. Uh, as part of uh, my school, we started a kite club and uh, we got funding from the student government to, to get kites and teach students. And then we also got boards and uh, shout out to John Denny of Jupiter Paddleboarding. He's, he's no longer um, with them, but John donated uh, a couple boards to our club and they were just surf shapes and uh, that was I think 2007 2008 so uh, yeah we would just mess around on them when there wasn't wind and then naturally we eventually started surfing them and then racing them and in the first race I ever competed in was one that I actually helped organize um, and uh, yeah and just having a competitive background it naturally I was like all right I want to get better at this <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and faster. And, you know, as they say, one thing led to the next and just that progression again, it goes back to, I think it's part of that, that in, intertwined with that finding the flow is also the, the satisfaction of, of improvement in, in mastery and trying, trying to, to get better at something. So it was that way with basketball, always improving, kiting, always trying to improve learning and then now stand up. So I, it, it definitely goes to that pursuit of what you were saying is not so much the addiction maybe to surfing as it was just to, to flow in, in that improvement. Yep. So um, I, I also think that you hit your deepest flow states when you have achieved some level of mastery at something and then you are in one of those most challenging uh, situations for whatever that is. So if you're, if you spend a lifetime surfing and then, you know, the 50 year storm comes, <laughs> yeah, that's what you've been waiting for. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. Um, something that I never, and I've talked about it a couple of times on the show and, and I didn't realize that coaching would, would be so much fun and that you would get to experience those states through the folks that you're working with. And, having been a coach now, I would consider myself having been a, like a serious coach for like the last year and a half. I thought I was a coach before that, but it wasn't until I started really studying the learning process that I feel like I could actually consider myself a coach. Um, but in working, so in that last year and a half, working with several folks, uh, consistently through that time and watching their progress, that's incredibly satisfying. Have you gotten that same um, feedback from, through your experiences coaching? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you get to relive the those flow states or those aha moments 
through the the students at least you know that's that's what i find and and that is what is so um gratifying i think is to see and, and to to find the the words or the exercises that translate from you and how how we internalize doing a cutback or dropping in or catching a wave and then being able to translate that and communicate that in a way that that person not only understands you it, but is able to to execute it and then it's almost like you're you're living that moment through them so yeah absolutely you can almost say coaching is is a selfish endeavor in, in that sense that we get to to work with all these people and and re, you know have the moments for ourselves in between because we're definitely still learning ourselves uh, but then being able to share through our experience and what we've learned and and then watch that and experience it through the eyes of that person again like dropping into a wave for the first time was super fun for me eight years ago and that feeling doesn't become fun once you kind of master it it's like okay and it's 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 automatic uh let's something simple like dropping in but then you teach someone that's never dropped in before properly or done a proper bottom turn and you explain it to them and then they do it and you're like you almost feel it like internally so so yeah yep. it's a, it's a cool thing you just touched on something there that is one of the reasons I'm so excited that you're coming uh you're going to be you're going to be working at blue zone and and coaching is that the ability to be able to connect and explain skills to you know, surfers, you're racing. I don't have the racing background. I have never been, I've been on a race board now twice. And, uh, I, I don't know, for some reason I just, it's not me, but a lot of the folks that come down, uh, to learn to surf with us in Costa Rica do have the racing background and you're going to be able to c connect with, with those folks at a much higher degree. And I think it's going to be hugely beneficial. Um, we've got covered from the surfing angle. If, if you know how to surf and you're coming down, I can easily explain. I spent a lot of time understanding, um, the relationships between surfing a shortboard or a longboard and a paddleboard and benefits of the paddle and whatnot. But from the racing background, I've kind of been making it up. And so to be able to add that to what we do is going to be insane. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that can benefit a you know someone coming from racing or or not but just me having a, a racing background um but also surfing there's there's technique things there's there's uh if you're able to handle a, a 14 foot race board <laughs> you know that then a eight foot surf shape um can be it, it not necessarily easier but there's things that that can translate over um, that, that I think, uh, can be communicated, um, to someone that's been paddling a race board on a lake. They want to learn to surf. Um, but uh, they're, even though they're the same, uh, equipment, they're two very different things, but there's obviously some crossover there. So having, uh, the coaching background, but then we didn't really talk about it too much, but then at the same time, as I was getting into paddling, it was really getting into surfing. I, I, I got into uh, racing early on, but then 
at that same um, trajectory, I was surfing at the same time. And I always tell people, definitely my quote unquote career as a as a uh, professional paddler is from the racing side. Um, but that's just because what I was better at in competition. But if I was a better, you know, it's I, also where the money is. Yeah, let's <laughs> be honest. It's, it's the the prize money is there and the sponsorship for sure. So it kind of naturally led that led me that way. But it's funny because it, I'll be the first to say it. And if you talk to ninety five percent of the the pro men and women, kind of on the grind at these races. Like if given the choice, we're going surfing over grinding it out on, on the race course. And, and don't get me wrong. I love that. I love that process. I love the competition, but you know, there's nothing like, like, uh, the flow and, in, in the, the, the stoke of a good surf the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. so yeah, I mean that, and that was in parallel with, with my getting into paddling was, progressing and surfing and and that's the whole reason kind of to skip forward three years ago we moved from from florida on the gulf coast which was home for a while to to san diego to chase waves i mean purely because it was uh it was you know i was so hooked on surfing i was driving to the east coast of florida as much as i could the gulf is basically a big lake i love i love st pete (laughs) but it's a lake and, and and it'll drive you crazy if you're a surfer so so yeah, so three years ago we we packed it up and and headed to San Diego and and I probably got enough surfing in those three years, uh, you know, having the luxury of of working from home and and uh, having flexible hours that I probably surf fifteen years uh, in in someone else's life that uh, that had more obligations as far as doing two three sessions a day every, every day they're swell and just trying to get better, you know, and, and just totally hooked. Um, let's talk about your transitions through boards. What was your first surfboard? Yeah. So it's funny looking back, you know, my first, that first board we got was a Sean Ordinez and Sean, uh, SOS shapes. I mean, he shapes, uh, a lot of the big wave guns and small boards, you know, for, for Kai Lenny, Albie Lair, a lot of pro surfers. Uh, it was his 11 um, uh, I don't even know. It was just a all-around surf shape. So that was the first one, and then went to a 10.6, a um, little bit smaller, and then went to a 10.0. And, and it's just funny, just in increments, 9.6. And not even on on purpose, like thought out, just so much as like, oh, okay, you know, kind of got this. Let's go a little smaller. And um, and that was, you know, those to the, from the 11 to a, a 10 was probably in the course of a year. And then, uh, in, in that first year, like 2009, and then, and then it was, uh, nine, six, eight, six, eight, Oh, and then and now, now finally my, uh, my seven, six, uh, uh, JP pro, which is the same board. I think you've been surfing a bit. So yeah, you know, yeah. definitely, Worked my way down the ladder and and went through all the uh, the the growing pains and the learning that that uh, a lot of the people that that I'm working with now you know are going through. So having that that fresh perspective, even though that was over the course of eight years, but but understanding that and, and going through it. That uh that seven six is ninety two liters. What are you in kilograms? You're a big dude. Yeah, That's so gonna I'm, be- I'm- 
200 pounds. So what is that? I think it's like 90 kilos. So you're pretty much equal. So that JP is kind of my, when I want to relax board, cause I've got, actually I'm a little bit bigger now, like 185, maybe a little bit bigger States. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's going to be pretty close to weight to volume ratio for you. That's good. Yeah. And I think I've, I've found, um, my, uh, my end point, you know, I could go smaller and, and I know you've talked about this a lot and, but it's yeah. kind of funny because it, it correlates to, to racing too. Um, you know, I, I tell people on the race board, everyone wants to go narrower and, and it's like, look, you're not very fast if you're swimming in the water <laughs> or yep. if you're, if you're trying to balance and you're checking your paddle in the same way that you're not going to catch many waves or have much fun if you can't balance on the board or if you're spending up all your energy, just trying to paddle it. So, so yeah, I've, I've definitely in a, in a good place, uh, on that seven, six. Yeah. Um, do you ride the eight Oh two? Yeah. And I have, uh, the eight Oh, um, which is, is probably like the choppier water or if it's big, uh, that would be like my step up. I like that board in bigger surf. I actually feel like that eight Oh has the best rocker of all of those JPs. I feel like it's got the most flow to that board. The seven, six, I still feel like it might push a little bit of water, um, in flat sections. Um, be cool to see him do that rocker on the eight Oh at a seven, six or seven, four. I think that would be a really good board. Yeah. I'll put the word in. <laughs> I, I think I actually told, uh, what's his name? Nigler that Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Warner. Yeah. Warner Nigler. There you go. We were talking, I told him that for sure. Um, so we start in November. We've got first groups coming in. And I'm excited for you to see all of this down there. I know my uh, right hand in Costa Rica, one of my best friends is uh, Oscar. And he and Chase will be the guys on the ground running it this year. I'll be coming in a couple weeks. I have not selected those dates yet, but um, but it's going to be awesome when you and Oscar get to go and surf some of those waves. You're going to love this right point break. It's, it's insanely fun. It's like, you're talking about long rides being 30 seconds. This is like 35, 40 on the right day. Um, you're talking kind of, to a guy who hasn't surfed since March. So you got me, uh, frothing <laughs> a little bit over here. I, I've, I've been on the road racing. I was in Florida and, I've been downwinding here in Hood River, but yeah, I'm definitely ready for uh, for some action. It's going to be great. Um, let's see here. From let's talk about your school. Let's talk about what you're doing uh, in the sup world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, <laughs> I'm I'm doing a lot. I, I race professionally, and then. Really, for the last like you've got six a po- actually let's 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 back this up for us to say you've got a podcast too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm the jack of all trades, master of none. So uh, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do over here. <laughs> but uh, seeking mastery in all. But there you uh, go. Yeah, my wife and I started a podcast three years ago. Um, it's called I Do Podcasts. It's a uh, it's about relationship. It's relationship advice, really, and we just interview. We are not the experts. Let me be clear. I am. Uh, I am learning right alongside our um, our listeners, and we interview um, 
authors, therapists, psychologists, and, and just uh, talk about um, how to have a successful relationship. So yeah, that's how did super- this start? Were you like looking at each other one day? We're like, we really need some advice on something, but we don't <laughs> want to pay for it. Let's just let's just do a podcast. <laughs> Honestly, there's a couple of things. I mean, when we first went into it, it was uh, it was a entrepreneurial endeavor. I'm, I'm was and still am addicted to podcasts. So Me too. I mean, I must listen to easily two hours a day on average, just when I'm doing household chores or sometimes paddling. But anyways, um, and so we, you know, we both have an entrepreneurial spirit, and we were like, hey, we should start a podcast, and uh, we researching, doing some market research, and there wasn't really any great stuff that really spoke to us in the relationship field, and and that was just kind of, and we you know what it was, we were getting married, uh, that year. So it was kind of on our minds and one thing led to another after a little bit of research and, and, uh, we said, let's start a relationship podcast and, and we will interview, uh, these experts and the very least we'll get free marriage advice <laughs> <laughs> and at, at the very best we'll, we'll be able to monetize it eventually. And, uh, we just had our hundredth episode, uh, a couple weeks ago and, and congrats, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. And, and, uh, you know, it's funny because it, it informs, uh, all everything we do, uh, really because relationships, uh, no matter if we're talking about surfing, even in surfing and, in in communication, um, or, or coaching, certainly, um, it's informed a lot in that area of my life or my relationship with, with my two year old daughter. So it's funny how, you know, we're always trying to improve, we're trying to improve our surfing uh, racing, paddling, um, but not a lot of times we try to like improve how we relate with people. Um, so this isn't a pitch for for the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's really just uh, um, you know been able to to inform and, and and improve you know my ability to to coach and and definitely uh, all areas of my life. So so yeah, check that That's out. That's awesome. <laughs> what other podcasts do you listen to? Who do you? Oh man, well, who do you fancy paddle woo progression project <laughs> all right definitely, definitely uh i'm gonna suck <laughs> up there but um yeah. but uh let's see tim ferris um joe rogan kind of those are the the more those aren't super popular uh well-known kind of uh some less well-known ones are um let's see uh, malcolm gladwell's new podcast is really good I haven't um, checked revision, that out revisionist history um yeah, and try to stay up to date on the news. There's a few sports podcasts, The Ringer uh, Podcast Network. Um, Have you done uh, Hardcore History at all? Yeah, yeah, Dan Carlin, Hardcore that History. great. Those are great deep dive, like four-hour epic oh, podcasts. Every every time I fly, like on a long flight, I, I get one. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. did the Armageddon series. Those are yes. good. Yeah, yeah. So That's you scary get- with what's going on in the news right now. Goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you definitely you consume so much media. Like I, obviously, podcast is a form of media, and I definitely have news outlets that I listen to there. And yeah, it, it's funny. Actually, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about, you know, we actually live in the safest time ever in human history. Absolutely, like by far. Um, but it doesn't necessarily feel that way because we're so inundated with uh, with information and 
if something is wrong, whether on a global scale or locally, like you find out about it. <laughs> so it feels right. You know, feels a lot more magnified. Um, but but yeah, it, it's uh, you got to. I try to keep that in check and balance my my news podcast with uh, with um, some uh, entertainment. I guess. Well, one of the beautiful things about living in Costa Rica that I loved is that you could basically just turn off everything and live in your own little bubble of awesome. Oh um, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the best. Is it? You can't hear. It's so difficult to kind of separate out uh, everything, but there, it's pretty darn easy. Yeah, that's why we're looking forward to it, and I'm sure that's why the people that go down there. I was almost yeah. thinking it's funny uh, on that topic of just being inundated. Is uh, maybe we do a retreat where you're you you have to check your phone in like at the door. <laughs> I was thinking, look, this is I'm just talking out loud here, but that would be kind of cool. It doesn't even have to be a a. Uh, Let's say it's not even part of Blue Zone, but and I'm sure they have yeah. them. But like, hey, you you come here uh, wherever it is in uh, Costa Rica. It doesn't even have to be there, but that certainly makes it easier. And it's like part of the the qualifier is we take your phone and uh, we'll give it back to you when you leave, and you'll survive and you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like uh, I got some friends who who when they go out to dinner, they all got to put their phones in the middle, and the first one to grab their phone has to pay the check. Yes. Did did uh, Anders say that in your podcast? Where did I hear that? I don't know. Someone I, just I, said that in a podcast I listened to. No, that's funny. Yeah. Maybe Tim. Okay. That, that's same. probably a Tim thing. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great thing. So maybe we'll do that like at the retreat. You go put your phone in the living room. First person to grab it has to, uh, I don't know, like swim out and back past the break solo. There something. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so let's get into your, uh, paddle surfing, uh, schools, website yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so paddle, I started, uh, you know, I started water monkey was my first business and we still have in St. Pete and that was teaching, uh, just complete beginners. So people from Ohio or you name it that have never paddled before and, uh, getting them from zero to paddling, uh, on a very, you know, elemental level. And I, I did that for four years as, as the main instructor. And now we have someone. And then at the same time I was doing advanced, you know, race coaching as I was learning myself and I'm still learning, you know, it's a never ending process. Um, I'm always trying to learn, but then I, I've been coaching people in, in racing technique, strategy, training, um, really for the last, uh, six years. And then, um, have not done and then obviously my kiting background and then I started paddlesociety.com which is uh just a membership website that I started this year to kind of formalize all of the the coaching I've done put everything in place there's like 30 plus hours of of videos that I've done really taking a a simple thing like let's say the J stroke and breaking that down into a 15 minute video really like in-depth deep dive and, uh, and that's something that's applied to surfing too, in particular, like the J stroke. Um, and that's what I look forward to do to doing in surfing. I'm doing that with downwinding now here in, uh, in hood river, which has a lot of correlation, uh, to surfing. Probably the closest thing outside of actually surfing waves, um, is downwind paddling because you're essentially surfing the bumps. Um, so the way you paddle for it, the way you, 
your footwork when you're on uh, the bump um, are all very similar. So, so that's kind of the where I'm at now with my coaching. And I've coached a few people um, in in the surf when I was in Florida, um, and a couple people in San Diego. So having that, and then obviously in, in kite surfing, there's some similarities. But I've been watching your videos, learning sort of your technique. A lot of the intricacies of, uh, again, going back to that communicating an idea. Um, so I'm excited to bring all my knowledge that I've in through working with people in, in downwinding, racing, uh, kiting, and in applying that uh, into the surf. Well, it's going to be fun, man. I'm stoked on it. We'll get to hang out coming up here in California around Pacific Paddle Games. Is that the next big race you're doing? Yeah, um, no, I got I got uh, next weekend here, um, August nineteenth uh, here in Hood River is a Gorge Paddle Challenge. That's a big one. Pretty much all the top guys and girls will be here, and then um, and then a race in Seattle, and then San Francisco down the coast, and then finally uh, the Pacific Paddle Games uh, October first. Nice man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Hey, how do folks find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, Chase Chase Kosterlitz, uh it's phonetic, it's easy, it's K O S T E R L I T Z. Uh, that's on Facebook. You can check me out there, and then PaddleSociety.com. Um, that's a good place to to check out uh, sort of what my uh, coaching is like, and and um, some of the stuff on on uh, race coaching and and technique breakdown which uh, again paddle technique a, a lot of it applies if you never want to race pretty much every video in there uh is applicable to surfing um and uh in in different ways and then um yeah uh those are probably the two best ways to to check me out insta insta chase underscore uh coster k-o-s-t-e-r yeah perfect check me out there yeah all right man anything you want to leave the folks with ah i think that's it i mean uh i look forward to uh connecting with people online send me a message and uh certainly on the water i i can't wait to to get back in the surf myself and and i look forward to to sharing the the passion with uh with people in the waves it's gonna be awesome man uh really looking forward to it and be hanging out soon in California. Thanks, Eric. It's the Paddle Woo Podcast.